Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, yesterday's discussion opened up a great conversation. Who should be the Sens' top power play quarterback? And our exit interviews continue, and yesterday was all about the top four guys, but today we're going to cover three more defensemen. And we're 10 days into the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. No teams have been eliminated, but that can change tonight. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 787 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, please like and subscribe wherever you download your podcasts, including on YouTube. And leave a comment in below. Are you confident in the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight? Are you confident in the Winnipeg Jets tonight? Elimination games plenty. And we've had two teams already fail to clinch their series in Boston and Carolina. We'll get to that a whole lot later. Today is Thursday, April 27th. And Pilsy, what a conversation in the comments yesterday about Thomas Shabbat, Jake Sanderson, Jacob Chikrin, and who should be the first man over the boards when the Sens get a power play. And Ross, you know what I have to say to that is... Good problems. When you're having a discussion, which of our top three defensemen should be on the power play, a top power play unit, I should say, because all three of them likely will be on the power play. This is a good problem we haven't had to deal with in a long time. And what makes it even better is you're adding the top power play goal scorer who missed the entire season in Josh Norris. So I want to get into this conversation as a whole, but let's start with your answer because yesterday we both just kind of said Sanderson based on the shake shimmies I feel like he's such a good puck distributor but there were some good points made with Thomas Shabbat and Mark Mathot replied on Twitter and said you know what they were so good last year even at the start of the year with Thomas Shabbat at the helm it's like why change anything and my rebuttal was well you have to change something because Josh Norris is getting on to that top power play unit right like you have to have Josh Norris on that one-timer side on the top unit For me, it's not a slam dunk getting Norris on there. It's not a slam dunk because, Ross, I think, and this is what we talked about in the offseason. We'll get back to the defenseman in a sec. But we can't have the mindset of power play unit one and then the second unit. Like, just those guys over there that will finish it off with 40 seconds left. Like, this team legitimately has two top power play units. So, for my mind, it's not like, oh, Josh Norris is getting demoted to the second unit because he wasn't around. No, it's... We're spreading the wealth, baby. Like, let's get some of that firepower on that second unit. Um, So I think for me, it's would I argue that Norris shouldn't be on that top unit? No, but I don't think that anyone on that unit deserves to be changed either. So I just like it's so refreshing to have such firepower that you you can't fit everyone in to your top power play unit. Frost, last year we or the year before. We had guys like Chris Tierney, Adam Gaudet. Like, we were just tossing guys out there on the ice. 
Oh my God. Those are names I did not need to hear again. Talk about those guys on the power play. My goodness. Well, at least right now you have such a good group of different roles right now in front of the net. It'll be Brady Kachuk, Shane Pinto, right? Pinto's great at tipping pucks on the second unit. Yep. Brady is, of course, in lock, throw away the key. He's your net front guy on the first unit mm-hmm. all year long. There were times last year where he played that all two minutes and the rest yeah. of the guys would change. He, he doesn't have to skate as much, just stand there, screen the goalie. They don't have x-ray glasses as much as Vasilevsky would like, so stand in front of them and make that a difficult situation for them. Then you have shooters in Josh Norris. Alex Dabrinkit, Jacob Chikrin, I'm going to throw in there as a guy who I want on the flank in a one-timer position. And we even saw Jake Sanderson at North Dakota be in that spot, although I think he's a better distributor, so I'll take him out. So you've got your your shooters. Then you have your distributors in Claude Giroux, Drake Batherson, and and, uh, Tim Stutzla, if I didn't say him. Claude and Timmy, I meant to say both if I didn't. So those three guys put wherever you want. So now it's Okay, who's going to be the guy at the top? Are you, you're still firmly on Jake Sanderson should be the first one over the boards? I'm firmly on Jake Sanderson should be that top defenseman just because the way he handled himself when Chickard and Shabbat went down and he had to be that top guy. Ross, we were looking at Eric Brandstrom in that situation. Thomas Shabbat went down. Okay, Eric Brandstrom, you're going to be that top power play unit guy. He wasn't able to grab a hold of it like Jake Sanderson was, and Sanderson was able to do that, and... Look, this isn't a knock on Chikrin or Thomas Shabbat. I, and I think you mentioned it in your rebuttals too. This is not a conversation about how bad Thomas Shabbat is on the power play. No, not. N- not at all. That's not what we're saying. This is a conversation about how good Jake Sanderson is. So from what I've seen and from um, what I've decided is I would like to have Jake Sanderson as this team's number one power play defenseman. So the comment that got this all started was from The Horget on YouTube. And we appreciate all the YouTube comments. We get back to as many as we can, and we read every single one. So please leave comments. They do really help. He says, quote, Shabbat is so much better than anyone else as the anchor on the power play that it would be an error to put, it would be an error not to put him on the first unit. The power play was the bread and butter of the Sens this year, last year, and it was not as good with Sanderson there. Disagree. The power play crumbled when DJ replaced Shabbat with Sanderson, and it went from 2nd and 3rd to 10th very quickly. That is true. DJ finally realized mistake, reinstated Shabbat on the first power play unit. However, then Shabbat got injured. It goes on to say some other things. However, I do appreciate that the Senators' power play was 3rd or 2nd in the National Hockey League for a great part of the season while Thomas Shabbat was the guy. Now, my issue is that because of the hesitancy that Shabbat has shown at the top of the power play umbrella, they got scored a shorthanded goal against, I believe, in four straight games. Yep. And there were a lot of times where when he gives it away, he's a smooth skater, don't get me wrong. I I, I talked about how buttery he is out of the zone yesterday. I even did hand motions. I was like a, a conductor of a symphony. I was going all into detail, okay? However... That doesn't translate into acceleration. I think the first two steps of Thomas Shabbat is a whole different conversation than his smooth and agility and effortless stride. When he gives away the puck at the blue line, a lot of times they're getting a rush. With Sanderson, he's got that closed down ability where he can, and Chikrin, I think, a little bit more 
as well, where it's like one, two, like chop, chop, and they're back defending. They defend with their stick, I think, a little bit longer than Shabbat does. That's that's the only thing is that with Shabbat, I feel like you're taking the good with the bad almost, where the others, I think there's less risk and the same reward. Yeah, and I'd be interested to see uh, when he mentions the power play rank really goes down the league. That doesn't necessarily mean that um, Thomas Shabbat's power play was successful or unsuccessful. Like when the power play dropped, it could have been that the second power play unit uh, was t- was taking a lot of the workload and not necessarily, maybe I'm wording this wrong. I might've jumbled myself up, but you know what I mean? Like just the power play as a whole isn't all based on what the top unit does. I felt like there was sometimes Ross where the top unit was stuck. Like they could not get it done. And it was Claude Giroux's unit. We'll call it that the Claude Giroux unit that would come over the boards first, and they were the ones having more success. So I'm, I'm not saying that that stat is uh, not necessarily correct, but I'd be interested to see when they did have their fluctuation up and down, which were the units that were having success or not having success. So the Ottawa Senators' power play was eighth in the National Hockey League all season, okay? But then if you go after the All-Star break, they were 16th. So before the All-Star break, you're looking at a team who really kind of made their bread and butter and I think really started getting them back into the race after that awful November. That's when it it started because up until the All-Star break, the Ottawa Senators' power play was much, much better. And and just honestly, they just gave me so much confidence. They were second in the National Hockey League from opening night until the All-Star break and then all the way down middle of the pack afterwards. So he does have a point there. Yep, and the team they were second behind Ross is arguably one of the greatest power plays ever in that Oilers team. So, good spot to be. Another argument, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. They say that Shabbat should be the power play one quarterback because it will save Jake Sanderson for five on five to be your top guy when it's even strength. Do you buy into that at all? I think that's a good point because we don't want Sanderson to become the new Shabbat where it's like he can't be playing 28 minutes a night here. And if he's on the top power play unit all the time. Jake Sanderson's last two games of the season, I'm at his game log right now, 29-09, 29-52. Exactly. So we can't be making the same mistake again. So from that point, I actually agree with that because I would say Tom Shabbat is more effective on the power play then he is five on five throughout a large sample size right whereas jake sanderson there's no defenseman on this team that is better five on five than the rookie jake sanderson right now so from that point i actually that's that's a different side of the argument that i hadn't thought of so that's a great comment there i really appreciate all these comments whether it's on twitter at send central or on instagram locked on senator or on YouTube where you can like and subscribe to the show. Unfortunately, I'm not changing my mind either. I wanted to kind of get into a debate and I looked at all of what I did. I went back and I watched some goal highlights on for the Senators and how they were able to score on the power play. And I just feel like Sanderson moves the puck quicker at the top. That's what it comes down to. Get the puck into the hands of all your talented forwards that are closer to the net and able to make that happen. He also, Sanderson, has an uncanny ability to get pucks through on the point and able to slip it through screens, whatever the case may be. I feel like it's very rare that he has his shots blocked and man, we can do entire episodes later this summer about what the power play setup should be because 
there's really no wrong answers. You could almost be like, oh, there's too many shooters if you have Norris and Debrinket on the same one. You have too many passers if you have Giroux and Stutzel on the same one. But the talent level is so high that this power play has to be top five in the league next year. It has to. Like, they finish eighth this year. It has to be top five in the league next year with all the talent that they have and what they've added in Chikrin especially. I don't see any reason why it can't be Ross. So, yep, I'm with you there. All right, power play. Let us know your setups in the comments. I'm excited to read these, and we'll get to them later on, whether it's tomorrow where we'll finish off our defensemen. We're looking at a couple prospects tomorrow, but today we finish off with the three established NHLers that we did not cover yesterday. And of course, if you missed any of Locked On Senators, it's free and available for you wherever you get your podcast. And I'm cutting each individual end-of-season review on YouTube, you can catch each one if you missed it or if there's a part of one that you want to go back and listen to. That will all be available free for you here on Locked On Senators. But let's get into the seasons of Travis Hamanick, of Nick Holden, and yes, you brand stands. I didn't forget about you. We've got Eric Brandstrom discussion up next, and then we'll wrap up today's show talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's all coming up next. You're listening to Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Build Bar. You guys already know it if you've been following along with LOSP. They've been a sponsor since day one. They are the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. That, that's why I love them, Ross, because I'm a big uh, pop candy. Uh, I got a sweet tooth, I'll be honest. And I'm if I'm looking for a protein bar, it better taste good for me to be hooked on it and I'm hooked on Built Bars because they have so many amazing flavors. Go to Built.com and you'll see for yourself. I'm on their best-selling flavors right now. And, Ross, this is an all-time lineup. Churro? Churro is not on there. Not on there. That's But that's an amazing flavor, and it doesn't even crack the top list, Ross. That's how good they are. Right now, I'm looking at Cookie Dough Chunk Puff, Peanut Butter Puff, Coconut brownie, snickerdoodle, peanut butter brownie, brownie batter. Oh, no, churro puff is on here, Ross. As the built bite, you got it. Boom, right there. Ross knows his built bar flavors. Bam. And the reason built bar is so successful is because they find out how to make it taste good, then healthy. The built puffs are a perfect example of that. It's a marshmallow wrapped in chocolate. You may think that's not healthy, Pillsy. Well, it's a protein infused marshmallow. So go to built.com, check out all the flavors for yourself, get the mix box. That's what we always recommend. And use our promo code LOCKEDON15 to save 15% off your next order. One more time, guys, built.com. Promo code locked on 15 for 15% off your next order. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Glebe Central Pub. Yes, the Glebe Central Pub are back with us all through next season. We love our friends at the Glebe Central Pub, and this is a relationship that we just want to continue to see grow. Our friend Blair at the Glebe Central Pub was able to Notice that you guys go in there and let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. He notices that you go on the shuttle and you say, yeah, Ross and Pillsy said, let's go take the shuttle. Let's have a great time today. Let's not worry about having to get home from the rink. They take you right back for a nightcap at the Glebe Central Pub. But just because it's off season doesn't mean there's that anything changes at the Glebe Central Pub in terms of the fantastic service, the cold drinks, the tasty food. They've got Stanley Cup playoffs on the big screen TV every single night, and it's still amazing vibes at the Glebe Central Pub. So head down to Bank Street, 
779, right in the heart of the Glebe, 779 Bank Street. And when you go to the locked or when you go to the Glebe Central Pub, make sure you let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. We love the Glebe Central Pub. Go check them out today. If you haven't been, go. If you've been, go back to the Glebe Central Pub. All right, Pilsy, here we go. We're back to our end of season rankings. What do you want? Not a ranking. We got the organizational Excellent value. interviews. Excellent interviews. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, whoever came up with that, great idea. Yeah. Uh, coming up next week, though, we got some fun interviews coming. Uh, Angus Crookshank right now is driving from, from Belleville to Vancouver. That's, that's a trek. So he said when he gets there. Done that drive a couple times. It's a good one. He needs to get to the leaderboard of recurring guests. And he's one away from cracking it into that four or more. That is, that's the area for the elite of the elite guests of Locked On Senators. We are reaching out to a few other experts as well. Matt will stop by whenever he feels like it. If you missed the last time we had him on, though, he had a great conversation where I think it was important for him to do it on a podcast with us yeah. because sometimes people just point and they're like, Branstrom bad. You think Branstrom bad? That's not good. But I think that Meth really explained himself well from the player's perspective of Branstrom wanting more in his career. And maybe that's not available in Ottawa. To the fact that where are you going to play him outside of five on five? Where is he going to be successful not only in the regular season, but in the playoffs? And that gets us to today's end of season review. We're going to do Eric Branstrom. Travis Hamannick and Nick Holden. But let's start with the franchise. I mean, when you have a nickname like that, as coined on Locked On Senators by Joey Decord, yep. you have to live up to the hype. And the hype started from the moment he was traded to Ottawa. He was the captain of Sweden's World Junior Team, had four goals in five games, was traded for Mark Stone, and then immediately looked so good in Belleville, Pilsy. You and I were boots on the ground, working the games. He was smooth. He was steady. And he actually is a better defensive defenseman than people had given him credit for at that level. And it took a while at the NHL level. There were a few mistakes. I think some people would label us anti-Brandstrom, which I think is extremely wrong. Ross, if any, if anything, we Brandstrom is probably the guy you and I have had the biggest uh, difficulty placing him whenever we do rankings or anything. And and I I always push back saying Brandy's got to be higher. Brandy's got to be higher. And uh, I'm still a Branstrom guy. Well, you can see that based on our organizational value rankings that we do every year. The first time we did, I'm pulling it up right now because I, I he need. He was high. He was so high on that list. And I, I mean, maybe even top five? He was still in tier two this past year. Or sorry, he was in tier three. And he was actually at the bottom of tier three, but he also didn't have a contract at that time. And we do take that into account. I, I'm confident in saying he's going to be moving right back up. We had him at 24 last year, Pelzi. That was probably a little bit low. Yep. But again, he didn't have a contract. So we were like, what's going to happen? Yeah, we had no clue what was going to happen. Yeah. The years before, we had him at seventh and fifth. Yep. We are high on Eric Branstrom. We think that he's going to bring a lot. However, he turned out to bring a lot in areas we didn't expect him to. If you had told me this guy would be out on the penalty kill and doing well, I would have said, wait, you mean power play, right? No. He has turned himself in to a defensive defenseman 
who can still skate the puck out of the zone, be a one-man breakout. And we know that Branny also moves pucks. I'm happy that he finally was able to get some points at the end of the year as well yep. because that has to weigh on your confidence too, Pilsy. As Eric Brandstrom, here, read off his stats here, and then I want your take on his last season. Yeah, so for Eric Branson this season, he hit a lot of career highs, uh, Ross. Career high in games played, 74. Career high in points, 18. His best plus minus at a plus five. Um, and then there's one more. I forget which one it is. Uh, but he also, but the penalty funny thing is. Time, penalty yeah. killing time on ice. Penalty killing time on ice, 111 minutes. Uh, but his average time on ice is down. It's actually the lowest of his career other than 19 uh, and 20, where he played 1451 this year, he averaged 16 minutes and seven seconds. And that was one of those things meth was saying, he was saying, look guys, the issue with Eric Branson, or one of the issues I have with him on this team is for him to have success. He needs to be playing more than 16 minutes of ice time. And he's not going to be able to do that with the top four that this uh, team has constructed now. And I think that's a valid argument. And, Brandstrom, what's impressed me the most is when he came to Belleville, it was all about the offense. He can move the puck. He can skate. He's got great hands. And then, much like many uh, young prospects going to the NHL, you realize, oh, crap. These are men, and it's very tough for me to do what I did in lower leagues and in junior. I can't do that. So he had to make an adjustment, and he plays much better defensively now. He's a guy that's on the penalty kill, and his main focus isn't power play and points like we assumed it would be. So I give a lot of credit to Eric Brantz from a smaller, young guy that had to really change the way he approaches the game. And Ross, we got a fan grade of B. 64.6% of the fans gave him a B. I'm giving Brandy a B plus this year. I thought he, he played really well, and I'll pass it off to you before I get into uh, some of the more advanced analytics uh, that I like from Brandy this year. Wow, teeing up some stats. All right. Well, yeah. I'll go with a very basic stat for you, Pilsy, but it's also one that I think is, is important to get his confidence back. I mentioned the point. In the first 45 games this season, Sample size is quite quite large. Oh, I know where you're going with this. He had four points. He had, Ross, he had a 25-game stretch with zero. None of them. In his, in his final 29 games, he had 14 points. Okay? Like, if he can even sustain that, where he's averaging still, like, around 17 minutes, of course, he ended off with a lot of ice time as he has in years past because Thomas yeah. Chabot has failed to finish the last three seasons. He's gotten hurt at the end of the year. So he averaged almost 20 minutes in April in the last seven games. But that aside, you're looking at a guy who I think is, his confidence is there. He's now able to, to know that he's a good hockey player, which he's always been. But there's that adjustment period. I think it's just been a little bit longer for him. I really, really hope he's back next year. I would be, it would be a shame to develop him as long as you have. And then you finally get to, see the fruits of your labor of four years of developing this guy and then just to walk, it wouldn't make any sense. He's an RFA right now, needs a new contract. I think that he probably wants a, a one-year deal because if he's seeing the step he took this year, if he's like, hey, if I can take another step next year, and you're never hoping for injury, but if he's like, if I could slide into that top four, even for a small sample, well, he's a year closer to unrestricted free agency. And then if, if he wants to pursue a higher opportunity – then, then maybe he looks to be a top four defensive. But I think a one-year deal at around 
$1.3 million best for both sides. The Sens get a cheap bottom pair option that can move into the top four if need be. A guy who's proven that he's willing to change his style to fit the team. I just think that it would be a real shame to let him go, and I hope that he's back. I have no feeling or inclination that he won't be back, Ross. It's the Ottawa centers have way too much leverage right now. Like as as long as Eric Branstrom is an RFA, in my mind, he has a lot of value for this team. And he also is arbitration eligible. So that's a nice wrinkle here, but they don't often look at the deep analytics that I'm going to throw back to you with. They look at the fact that, hey, why does he only have 16 18 points in a full season. Why did he, why did he go so long before kind of even reaching this? I'm I think it would actually be a very interesting arbitration oh, case. I'd love uh, to be a fly on the wall. What do you think yeah. he'd ask for in an arbitration? They always go way high, like two. Yeah, he's probably shooting for two, and they're asking for one. Yeah, and then I figure they meet in the middle at 1.5. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm so. happy with Brandy at 1.5. Absolutely, Same. absolutely. Give me with these analytics. So what I wanted to to go at is if you go to naturalstatric.com and you go to defensive pairs and you go to the Ottawa Senators, Eric Branstrom, every time his name comes up with the defenseman that he's played more than 10 minutes with, with the exception of Nikita Zaitsev, let's please allow me to have a Nikita Zaitsev clause. Will you allow it? Yes, allow yeah, Nikita Zaitsev clause allowed. Okay. Every single defense partner he's had above 10 minutes, Nikita Zaitsev clause, their Corsi percentage is above 50. Is it better with him than without him? I have not had my stat research team go through those stats, but what the research team being myself uh, had found is that no matter who you put him with, he had positive Corsi numbers. So it's it just goes to show that like this is a guy that despite being someone with high expectations in the Mark Stone trade, a high draft pick. You mentioned all his accolades in junior and Sweden and everything. Despite all that, he's been able to kind of humble himself and realize where he's at, but still be productive and still be efficient in a smaller role than us. And I'm sure he would have anticipated. So that's why I'm so high on Brandy is because when we didn't have a top four, I was disappointed in him, Ross, because we needed him to be a top four guy. Now this team's got their top four. We don't need him to be that guy. We need him to be an effective bottom pair that can be elevated into any role, five on five, left, uh, right shot, power play, shorthanded at any given moment. And he is that guy. So like I mentioned in my rant uh, with Meth, the key word for me with Eric Bransom is his versatility. And in a team that finally has a top four locked up for at least a couple of years here, there's nothing more important than having your five tool uh, versatility guy in my mind. So Eric Brandstrom, I, I like him. I like Brandy. All right. I don't care who knows it, Ross. <laughs> and if you do look, Pilsy, uh, my research team is on it. Oh, okay. Almost every player on the back end has a better Corsi shot attempts for versus against the percentage of which you're on the ice for with him than without. Yep. Example, Jacob Chikrin in 20 minutes, small sample, I know. We'll get to some bigger samples after. In 20 minutes together, they're 68.7%. Yeah, I without, loved Chikrin and Branny. Without Brandstrom, Chikrin's Corsi percentage was 50. 18%. Yep. That's huge. Jeez. Now, you said that he was with, um, who did he play the most with last year? 
Nick Holden. Nick Holden. Okay. By a mile. Together, they were 55.6. Yep. Holden without Brandstrom, 48. Mm-hmm. So you can do this exercise all day. Brandstrom makes his partner better. And I need to see him not only next season, I need to see him paired with Tyler Clevin, at least yeah. for a bit, because I love that in a small sample. And you know us. We're yin and yang guys on this show. Uh, well, oh, no, actually, Tyler Clevin and Branson were good in a small sample. It was uh, Branny and Lassie. That was the exception of the rule. That's why I did the 10-minute mark. Verbal meme for Lassie, Magic Johnson. He ain't going to be here. <laughs> Probably not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who do you want to see Eric Branson paired with next season? Uh, I, I mean... It'd be the next guy that we get to as well. The thing is, Ross, by process of elimination, if Travis Hamannick is indeed brought back, it's got to be Travis Hamannick because we've already identified our top four, and I don't think there's any reason why those top four guys should not be in the top four. Um, well, I think and- you get into a case where it's like, if you have Hamannick in the Nick Holden role, the two guys are going to get to where it's like he's the seventh and comes in. Then if Clevin comes in to camp and he earns a spot, I have no problem with Hamannick being the seven guy. And you know he's going to play the role well. You know he's well-liked in the locker room, all that. I don't think that's going to mess with any sort of chemistry. I think he'll be there to kind of, hey, mentor Tyler Clevin, just like we tweeted along, the Sens wanted this whole time. Yeah, I, I'm i not so convinced that uh, Clevin will get a spot out of camp, but that's a conversation for another day. But uh, yeah, exactly. I was trying to tease that a little more. But uh, yeah, so we will be getting into that tomorrow. Um, Travis Hamnick and Eric Branson played 57 minutes together. They had a Corsi 4 percentage of 61.74. So that's a pair that can work in third uh, bottom pair minutes. So it wouldn't be my most ideal partner for Eric Branstrom, but that would allow him to uh, let Brandy cook a little bit more. When you've got a guy in Travis Hamnick that is not going to be ideally bringing the puck up the ice, Eric Branstrom. One thing of like Eric Branstrom, if there was a stat, well, I'm sure there is a way to look at this statistically, but he was so damn effective at starting with the puck behind his own net, bringing it up the ice and taking a shot on the goalie and leading to an offensive faceoff. He did that so many times with ease. Now, of course, you're like, well, that's what is that really? But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, if you're able to start with the puck in your own end, nobody else, you don't need help from anyone else. You bring it up the ice and now you've got not only a possession in the offensive zone, but you've created a faceoff. You can get a line change, get your top line out there, the guys you want out there in the ozone. That adds value. And Eric Branson was able to do that with ease. Well, he had one goal in his last 28 games of the season, but that goal was exactly that, where he yeah, yeah, from that was sick. went up and just absolutely ripped one. That was in the first of the two seven-goal wins against Tampa Bay. Unreal there. So, Eric Branstrom, let us know in the comments. Obviously, it's a polarizing topic, but... I just think he's a perfect number five defenseman that can move up in the case of injury and whatnot. So I just don't want it to be like Matt said, where it's like Rasmus Sandin gets traded. Sure, you get a good return. Sandin then just explodes offensively. And it's like, wait, you had that. I don't know. I think he's he's better than, than trading him for futures. I really, really do. I, I think uh, for as long as he's an RFA, yes, that's the case. If he becomes a UFA, that's where things get a little tricky. All right, coming up next on Locked On Senators, Nick Holden, Travis Hamnick, season in reviews, and then a little playoff banter. That's next on Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. Guys, of course you've heard of eBay Motors, so... 
why not check them out? And next time you're looking for a part for your car, they're the right spot to go. You need parts that fit just right. So next time you need parts and accessory, it's easy. Go to eBay Motors with eBay's guaranteed fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. That's the key. Just add your ride to my garage and look for that green check to know your part will fit or you get your money back. It's simple because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million, 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when you have all the right parts guaranteed. So get the right parts, get the right fit, and Get the right prices with ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Check out eBay Motors. All right, Pilsy. This is fun. I like these. Happy birthday, by the way. 25th birthday to Drake Batherson. Nice. He's the oldest of the core, really, because he was an uh, overager. I mean, Thomas Shabbat, but besides Shabbat, when you look at the forwards, I think that's why he got the A. I think that's why DJ Smith went with him when uh, the Senators yep. needed to look elsewhere. Although we've seen Josh Norris wear it before as well. But happy birthday to Drake Batherson. Uh, hopefully it's a bounce back year in terms of the defensive side of the puck. But we'll talk about that next week as our exit interviews continue. We're going to do the forwards next week. We're going to go line by line and a couple of prospects we want to touch on as well thank you as always for making locked on senators your first listen each and every day the show is free and available on all platforms including on youtube where you can like and subscribe please subscribe it does go a long way to helping the algorithm help us grow the show all right now let's get to travis hammonick pilsy he was a much polarized acquisition when the Senators got Travis Hamannick at last season's deadline, not this past, but the year before at the deadline. And they knew that he had a year left on his contract afterwards. They said, look, we don't like the free agent market. We wanted to get a head start on it. It cost us a third round pick. We didn't have a fourth round pick. So we gave up a third analytics. People hated it. I think a lot of people hated it, whether you like numbers or not, but I don't think you can quantify how much of an impact he made in that locker room this season with so much youth on the back end. He was a stabilizer. He played a ton of hockey. He somehow exploded offensively at certain (laughs) points this season. He was a reliable partner for Jake Sanderson. I think that Sanderson probably could have outgrown it earlier in the year, but they kept it together. I, I called him one of my guys at the start of the season, and he proved me right. I think this was a very solid season from Travis Hamnick overall. Yep, absolutely. And for all those people saying, well, like Hamnick and Sanderson, Sanderson was just boosting Hamnick and things like that. The only thing I care about when it comes to that, what does Jake Sanderson think? And he's been asked about it and he said, it's awesome having a veteran like Hamnick. I love playing with him. We mentioned in the yesterday's episode, they were the most consistent pair by a mile. They played 749 minutes together with a Corsi four percentage of 50.77. So with all those minutes, they were able to uh, become a really good pair. And I just think that his time in the top four is is over because of the acquisition of Jacob Chikrin, Jake Sanderson turning into the player he has, Artem Zub re-signing, and that's fine. I think he can be a guy that is a really good seventh 
defenseman and a and a good sixth defenseman. And I think you need some veterans on that back end. Like everyone is so young there. I think it's good to have a guy like Hamannick around with pl- playoff experience, lots of games under his belt. And the fans graded him a B season, sixty one point five percent. And I'm right there with the fans. I got him rated at a B, Ross. I'm really happy to see that because sometimes it's it's that vocal minority that really just hammer away, no pun intended, on what a player can do. And there are a few. Th- th- actually, you know what? This is wild. More more fans on Twitter at Sun Central graded Travis Hamnick season an A, 4.4%, than they did a D at 3%. Okay. So I think that tells you what you need to know in terms of the the two, like the the far top and the and the far bottom. But sixty one point five percent gave him a B, thirty one percent gave him a C. I, I'm a B plus. Like I'm almost at an A minus versus expectations where people had him. They thought he was going to be a complete liability out there. Instead, not only was he the best penalty-killing defenseman on the team. And let's recall that this Senators team were an elite penalty-killing team for the most of the season. I'm pulling up right now exactly where they were at. They finished 14th. I think there were some times where they were up in the top 10, though. And, hey, you know what? I bet you that that coincided with Travis Hamnick's injury to an extent because the PK just did not look the same for the last seven games, eight games of the season. So he left on March 30th. Okay, we're going to do a little stats together here. He left on March 30th. From March 31st through the end of the season, the Senators' penalty killing was 14th. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wait, never mind. That's That makes sense that they're 14th because when I changed from playoffs to regular season, it did just that. The Ottawa, Look at this, Pilsy. Don't you <laughs> love when I test matches? Don't you love when I test matches? Let's hear it. When Travis Hamnick left the lineup for the last seven games, the Senators' penalty kill was 31st out of 32 teams in the NHL. What? Damn. 31st. They killed 64.3%. Only St. Louis had a worse penalty kill than them in the season. Now, when Travis Hamnick was in the lineup, we're looking at a completely different story. With Travis Hamnick in the lineup, the Senators, the 10th best penalty kill in the league. I rest my case. Boom. There you go. Travis Hamnick. Um, you and- could say I threw the hammer down. Yeah, there you go. And he's the kind of guy that, like, that press conference where he talks about coming to Ottawa, he is just glowing. Like, this guy wants to be here. I think that's a big part of it, too. He. He can see, like, this guy's been on a bunch of different teams, and he knows a good culture when he's in one. And, I mean, <laughs> Bo Horvat would, uh, and Hamnick would both say, hey, it's a lot better than Vancouver, I'll tell you that for free. Um, but he's able to identify that this group's got something going, and I want to be a part of helping these young guys. And I would love if they could bring him back on a one-year deal uh Obviously lower than his uh, past cap hit, which was what, 3.3, something like that? Yeah, it was in the $3 million. I think it was $3 million. Yeah, so obviously below that dollar, but I still think he has value, and I think he's more valuable to this team than he would be anywhere else. So I'm all for bringing back Travis Hamnick. And I'll just get to these stats before, uh, before I continue. 75 games for Travis Hamnick, six goals, 15 assists, For 21 points, that's the most points that Travis Hamnick has had in a season in the last seven years. 
The last time he had 21 points was in 2015-16 as a 25-year-old. Now he's 32, still able to put up some points, rebounding after two years at 10 points each. It really felt like he was on his way out. He gets a breath of fresh air in Ottawa, and he takes the most of it. His expected goals percentage above 50, 50.7. His Corsi above 50 by 0.1. And he's playing 18.30 per game. And not only is he playing that much per game, Pilsy, but obviously a ton of that came on the penalty kill. When you look at what he brought to the Senators' PK, it, it truly is remarkable how he and Jake Sanderson, at even strength, they were good. But on the penalty kill, they were remarkable. And I like how they kept them together for the most of it. Travis Hamanick was seventh among all defensemen in the NHL this year in shorthanded time on ice. Jake Sanderson was third, which is is also absurd. But he killed more than three minutes and 15 seconds per game. Yeah, I need some respect for that. And I'm glad that the fans recognized him with a B grade. Yep, I think that's right where he should be. And uh Travis Hamnick, I, I really think that he has a place on this team, not only on the ice, but off the ice. So let's bring him back. Let's let's have another year of the hammer. So what are you hoping to see from Hamnick for next year? Much of the same. And like, well, I guess I shouldn't say much of the same because he's not going to be in the top four. I want to see him have that same kind of veteran presence and be able to help Eric Brandstrom play his game the way he was able to help Jake Sanderson play his game. And I think Brandstrom did a great job with a guy like Nick Holden, another veteran, more defensive style defenseman. So I don't see any reason why Eric Branson and Travis Hammond can't make a good bottom pair. Yeah, I actually kind of like the sound of that. And then obviously, if you are going to rotate them in and out, maybe against maybe um, a team where you're not as worried about uh, them beating you on the power play, uh, maybe, maybe you do swing out and put in a different player, give another guy a look. But I think overall, there, there's a lot that he brings off the ice that we're just not privy to. And I think having him around the room in itself is going to be a huge benefit to the other teams because of the next guy we're going to talk about in Nick Holden being on the way out. Like, what a perfect transition to get him into that role. You, you need a veteran guy on the back end. I, tr- I truly believe that. And without Hamannick or Holden... Is there a 30-year-old on the back end? There's not. There is not. There There's is not, not a 28-year-old. Like, nope. Arden Shabbat Zub is not 28 yet. Shabbat, sorry, Zub's going to be the oldest guy, and he's probably not the most vocal leader, although his English is getting better. Let's I go Zensvans. Yes, Zensvans. Woo! But I do think it's, it's crucial to have that voice, and I'm talking myself into saying that this guy needs to be back. Before I wanted it, this guy needs to be back. I just like who's going to be a better option and uh, I'm sure there's better options at higher price tags obviously but for what the Ottawa Senators need and the the cap room they have and a guy that already fits in hammers hammers the guy what would be the cost on a one-year deal where you'd start to grit your teeth and be like I don't know can't be more than 2.5 I was gonna say two I think like anything more than two I think a one-year deal at two million dollars Bang. Lock yeah, it. I think he might try to up that uh, value at, at a one-year deal. If you got him at a two-year deal, I think he would go down. But I think, uh, I mean, he he might have an argument to be around 2.5. Uh, Pillsy yeah. seems like a low-key kind of guy, though, right, Travis Hamanick? I don't think he's out there buying Ferraris or anything like that. No, I don't think so, yeah. He's made $36 million in his career. I think, I think for him, fit is most important. And just Agreed. listen to how he talks about Ottawa. I really think that he wants to be here. And I think I'm, I'm not saying he's going to take a Mark Giordano league minimum contract to come back, 
but I really think that money is secondary. And I yep, should I agree for a man who's got a family to take care of, but I think thirty six point two five eight million. <laughs> you can take care of a family on that budget, yeah. Four hundred and eighty six dollars in his career. So funny that you can literally search up like any hockey player and see the to the dollar what they made in their career. Hilarious. But shout out Cap Friendly. This show runs through Cap Friendly, Natural Stature, Reference, um, and our dumb brain. I've got I've got all those tabs open right now, Ross. So yeah. <laughs> How many tabs you got? Uh, well, I divide it between two. Uh, like I got a, a Safari one and uh, Google Chrome. Right now, I got. Wait, that seven. might be, that might be even crazier. You use different. <laughs> why don't you just open a new window in the same your preferred browser? I feel like some websites work better in a certain browser, uh, and also it's just the way my brain works. I've set it up this way. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, maybe that is a weird thing. Well, let us know in the replies if that's a weird thing or having a million tabs on one is weird. I got seven on Google Chrome right now and seven on Safari. I don't even know what he's thinking. He's just a complete brickhead. He's got nothing up there. Just bad, bad guy, bad player. But what a joke he is. Yeah, sure. Two different internets. So that's great. Well, Travis Hamnick, uh, great guy, great story. And I, I just love the way that he's come in here and really adopted the city of Ottawa. I hope he's back one year. $1.8 million is what I'm calling for his contract. And I would love to see that happen next season. Travis Hamnick for the Ottawa Senators. All right, Nick Holden. First, thank you for your service. This guy yes. came in. He brought the vibes. He got rid of Dadanov's contract. Shout out to that. And then came in, and man, that first year, he played some important minutes, played some important games. This year, it was clear that he lost a step. But I still think overall in the grand scheme of things versus what you should be expecting for a guy Nick Holden's age, I think it was a it was a fine season for him where he probably got thrusted into some roles that I don't know if it was necessarily fair for him as a 35-year-old. I mean, he played 65 games, Ross. Like, that's that's pretty damn good. And he was supposed to be a seventh defenseman. So he proved himself very valuable to this team. Yet another older veteran that can provide a different angle that a lot of these younger guys just don't have the experience. He's been on a lot of different teams. And I think he's a guy that just... Over his career, he's learned how to keep things light, especially when you're rebuilding, your team's not doing as good as you would hope, and you need guys like that that can just kind of let the air out of a a kind of tense situation, and I think Nick Holden was a great guy for that. He was an absolute warrior blocking shots on the penalty kill. He was so important, and him and Eric Branstrom, as I've mentioned a couple times already, they were a good bottom pair, so... That's, I think that's the point we want to drive home here, Ross, is Nick Holden was the perfect guy for what the Ottawa Senators needed from him. I think that he he came in here as a, a workmanlike defensive defenseman, and he brought it. 65 games this year, two goals, 14 assists for 16 points, a expected goals percentage above 50, 52.1. And of course, he number above 50 as well, 51.9, averaging 16.42 per game. And it's like, it's crazy to think he had two less points than Branny. And Branny played 10 more games. Like, he just, yeah. there were times where he was just in the right spot at the right time. I thought his gap control towards the end of the season, especially when he was playing a lot, you could really tell his pivots were taking a bit longer. And I mean, what a career for, for Nick Holden, though. I mean, for a guy who seemingly wasn't necessarily going to be 
uh, a top guy coming out a junior. He worked his way up and he played 654 NHL games. And I'm not retiring him. I think that there's still a, a case to be made that he'll catch on with another team as a, a seventh defenseman type thing. But he came in here, played 141 games with the Ottawa Senators, the second most he's played on any team in the National Hockey League. He got close. He got 139 with Vegas and 135 with the Rangers. But he came in here, man, he was an even player both seasons. Kind of funny, right? Like both seasons, exactly even in his plus minus. But came in here, man, he contributed, and I think he really helped with the culture and building that. I wish that they could bring him back as an assistant coach, a development coach trainer like just a a morale guy could he be ottawa's nightmare they're talking about bringing in a nightmare like this guy he's got the vibes he's got all that and um it's it's just unfortunate that you know that's time is undefeated and i think his time as a player in ottawa definitely ran its course wait before we move on are you saying nightmare as in like a bad dream or a mayor that works at night a mayor that plans (laughs) out the nightlife in ottawa this is a real thing Oh, okay. okay. I just wanted to make sure I, I got you straight there. N-I-G-H-T, Mayor, M-A-Y-O-R. How bad did you hope I was going to say E-R there at the end and misspell Mayor? No, no, you're good. You're good. We may not know math in this show, but I have been very impressed with your vocabulary and your word of the day is usually hit. Yo, off-season content idea, spelling bee for difficult sends past players' names. Oh, okay. I like. We should do that Simon, with Ian. Simon Lajeunesse, old goalie prospect. Yeah, see, we got some tough ones. But um, you, you're you can't just throw me all francophone names. Hey, that's an Vladislav Nemestnikov. I could do that one. Okay, we don't have time for that. Well, yeah, that's not an idea. <laughs> yeah, let's let's keep it on Nick Holden here. Nick keep it Holden. On the rails. But, um, I mean, what else is there really to say? It was just a. It was a. It was two years. It was enough as a player. At his age right now, but guy, cool guy, great guy. Wish him the best. Yeah, I would love to have him as part of this staff. Like, just have him as a guy that's around. Like, uh, honestly, yeah. Like, he's just, hey. he's just great vibes. Receptionist. Yes, the receptionist. Absolutely. I like um, that nickname. If people are just listening to this, it's like, what do you mean? Every player, when they either came up like uh, Tyler Clevin or was acquired like Jacob Chickren, they always started with Nick Holden. Yep, you got to start there. You got to see how uh, things go with Holden, then we'll work from there. Um, I give him a C plus rating, Ross, just because he was put into a situation much more than I think he anticipated and fans anticipated, and he did his job. That's that's the thing. He did his job. He was a guy that kept it loose in the locker room, kept things light and fun. Um, so Nick Holden, I, I hope he finds another job playing somewhere because I still think there's a log or two on the fire and he can bring that energy to another team and another culture. So all the best, Nick Holden. We'll be his reference, right? It's like when you leave a job, it's like, hey, we liked you though. We'll be your reference. So we'll be Nick Holden's reference for his next gig. Yeah, we got NHL GMs uh, calling us being like, so Nick Holden, tell me about him. Well, go check out our video on YouTube and wherever you download your Like and subscribe. All right, let's uh, finish up today's show. A little NHL act like tonight is unreal. They made us wait an extra day for both the Jets game and the Leafs game. It's 3-1 in each of those series for the bad guys in both teams, in both situations. But which which game are you going to be locked onto tonight? We'll start with that because, I mean, 7 o'clock Eastern, Lightning at Toronto, 7.30, Rangers at New Jersey, that series is tied 2-2. And then 10 o'clock Eastern, the Jets at Vegas. No Shifley, 
no Morrissey, maybe Nikolai Ehlers series debut, and they're on the ropes. Yeah, just quickly on the Jets, I know everyone's going to dunk on me for how confident I was on the Jets, but man, when you lose Morrissey, uh, Shifley, and then you don't have Ehlers this whole time, like... Well, what I've been saying too, like, what makes it even worse is that if you're going to lose those guys... Yeah. It can't be after the first shift of a game. You're playing 11 forwards in game four. Especially one that goes to double overtime. Five defensemen in a game that goes to double overtime, I mean... Yeah, so there's my excuse there. Uh, I'm all covered on that. Um, this Tampa-Toronto game, I mean, my God. Uh, we heard it today, Ross. The Leafs, they don't have a problem winning three games in a playoff series. That has never been the issue. Can they get that elusive four? I say maybe, but not tonight. It's not happening tonight. There's no way a team with the pride and egos that the Tampa Bay Lightning have take a gentleman's sweep. There's no way, especially, oh, wait, where's the, this one's in Tampa, right? Oh, it's in Toronto. We're going to have the leaf pile. Oh, actually, no, that's better. No, 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 that's better. Sp- quick spin zone. That's better because, yeah, the, the leaf pile is going to be soggy sorrows. And, yeah, I will be responsibly going to FanDuel and backing the Tampa Bay Lightning with a couple shekels. What's the odds tonight for the Tampa Bay Lightning? Hey, Alfie. Alfie, do you think the Leafs can close it out tonight? Uh, probably not. Okay. <laughs> what, what do we got the odds tonight for uh, for the Lightning? Uh, d- do a little uh, do a little dance for me here, and I'll tell you in a second. All right, DJ, are the Tampa Bay Lightning going to win tonight? Yes. Ha ha ha. Yes. Spaz, how funny would it be if the Leafs blow the series? <laughs> <laughs> so you're an expert. Yes, we are experts. I love it. That's perfect. Just bring guests on quickly to to make that time. And with FanDuel, you can use their app. It's so simple. It's safe. It's secure. It's easy to use. Face recognition, Ross. I'm already on the app on my phone. And the Tampa Bay Lightning money line is plus 132. So I... I'm hopping on that. I'm hopping on that. And we know, although it hasn't rang true in this series, Ross, far from it, but what was Vasilevsky's insane playoff stat? It's bouncing back after losses and when they were on elimination games, he was an absolute stud. So I'm hoping that rings true here. You know what another uh, stat is? The last time the Tampa Bay Lightning lost a series in the conference playoffs was before the pandemic. Yeah. We've gone through a global pandemic and come out the other side, and they still have not lost in an Eastern Conference series since Columbus swept them. In a game where, or in a series that they've won a game, they haven't lost in the Eastern Conference since 2018. Well, if I was a Habs fan and I'm not, I would say those are two Eastern teams playing against each other. Is that not an Eastern uh, Conference series? But they won. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. They're only lost to Colorado. Yes, sorry. (laughs) Duh. They made quick work of the Montreal Canadiens. Remember that all-time moment, Nikita Kucherov? Those fans, they act like they win Stanley Cup. They win. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man, I can't believe I just botched that one. That's all good. We're 56 minutes into the show. Um, So that series, we, we both got Tampa tonight. I'm going out swinging, right? But I will say... 20 years without a playoff series win is a lot easier to say than 19. So I'm I'm getting nervous here. I'm getting nervous. Yeah, and Ross, every other year, 
I didn't have a shred of doubt, not a shred. And if you guys don't believe me, go back to last year and listen to my six-minute rant that I <laughs> contemplated deleting because it was so bold and so brash that the Leafs weren't going to win when they were up 3-2. I didn't have a single shred of doubt. But this year, even before the Leafs went up 3-1, I had a bad feeling. So I'm not going to be doing that. But I do feel really good. And you guys know my gambling history is perfectly clean always hits um i mean the lightning gonna win this one i'm not doing a parlay i will not do a parlay no but it all comes down to vasilevsky i mean he has an 857 save percentage in the series like if he's batting 900 it's probably 3-1 for tampa well i mean you got two overtime goals there so uh, yeah 100 percent all right any other uh notes you want to hit on this this devil's rangers series i don't really have any like insight to give you other than i'm so excited game five it's like Two different series so far with the Rangers just dominating on the road and then the Devils dominating on the road and everyone gets to sleep in their own bed at the end of the night because they play 20 minutes apart. Yeah, very weird. Without traffic. (laughs) Yeah, traffic. two-hour drive with with traffic. They got the the Uber copters going, though. They're not worried about traffic. No doubt. Hey, awesome night of NHL hockey ahead. We will recap it tomorrow and also wrap up our defenseman conversation for end of the year interviews with Tyler Clevin and Jacob Bernard Docker. That's all coming up on tomorrow's Locked On Senators. What are your final thoughts today, Pills? Final thoughts are uh, this has been a really good exercise, and uh, I want to thank all the fans for the fan voting. We've had big numbers on these votes, and uh, people are really into this series, this segment of exit interviews, so I'm glad that we're going to continue this, and it's going to be very interesting to get down to the forwards. I think we're going to have some really, really good discussions. Final thoughts from me? Your impact on the show, fans, citizens out there, is the reasons why the Glebe Central Pub is back for another year. They are noticing that you guys go support their brand, and we just want to thank you for that. It is super cool to hear that from them. We can't thank you enough. Let's grow this thing to the absolute moon. It's motivating for us as well, and we appreciate you. We're not going anywhere five days a week through the draft, through free agency, and next year, it's playoffs or bust. If Dorian won't say it, I'll say it right now. It's playoffs or bust next season. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. <laughs>